everyone. I'm your host, Dequel Jackson, and you're tuning in to Athletes Unplugged. Today's guest is Darius Butler. He spent nine years in the National Football League. He was drafted in the second round of the 2009 NFL Draft by the New England Patriots. You can also catch him weekly at his very own podcast called the Man to Man Podcast alongside his co-host, Antoine Bethea. D-Butt, what's going on, bro? Hey, man, thank you for taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, bro, but uh, I want to get I want to get into this because uh, COVID is still amongst us. And yes. so my question to you is what I ask most guests is, you know, how have you been able to to maintain and stay safe? And how have you been able to, to keep that safety for your, your family? Hey, well, first, hey, first of all, it's an honor and a pleasure to be on the <laughs> pod, man. I'm excited. I'm excited for you, man. I'm happy for your lonely journey. Um, congrats on, on being named a Brown legend. Oh, yeah, That's appreciate you, that. Man. Yeah. I know that means a lot to you and your family. You know, you poured your heart and soul out in that organization, man. They took a shot on you, and uh, you obviously left it all out there. So that's dope, man. Huge, huge. I'm going to get on your ass about that hat you had on, though. Hey, come on, y'all. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. When you was doing hey. your video. But I see that. I see that's your style. I see that's your that's style. My, that, that's, that's my L.A. swag, man. You know what I'm saying? Mean? I, I see on I see your L.A. swag. <laughs> you know, you got to switch it up when y'all got that baldy. But, uh... But nah, man, it's um, so COVID been crazy, man. Um, it's been wild. It's um obviously been going on, um, affecting our country, you know, for over a year now. Um, you know, we've all been affected by, you know, personally with family. I, I lost a very close family member with my aunt. Um, COVID this uh March, you know, which it was right after my birthday, uh, right after her birthday too. Um, uh, so it's tough. Um, I actually my family, half of my family in, in the house came down with COVID. Oh, wow. um, less than a month ago so we were on the other wow. side of it so yeah it's wow. obviously when, when your family dealing with stuff and when the world is dealing with something um it's you real. Know, you do, it's real. yeah you do you do your best to you know educate yourself as much as possible and do the take the, the necessary steps um uh, but it's, it's been crazy man and obviously now with this vaccine coming out it's a lot of conversation and even controversy um around that when speaking on that publicly so on uh, it's been crazy but um you know we you know, we don't go around a bunch of crowds anyway. Um, I'm right, barely right. In, in spaces with a bunch of, you know, I guess strangers, you could say. Um, but when we do right. go out, we, we try to take as much precaution as possible. And at the same time, you know, we, we, we're, we're living life. You know, we're not living right. necessarily in fear. And um, being down here in Florida, it, it's a different Amen. world down here. So, uh, right, right, yeah, right. It's, it's, it's you know what? Everybody, I, I realize that everyone lives in their own little bubbles. DC, they have their little bubble. Mm-hmm. Florida has their bubble. In different regions, they have their own little bubbles where, you know, or what, what have you. So, what I want to get into next is uh, because I know you and because uh, it's what, seven? You have it's seven siblings, right? You have seven yep. brothers and sisters. Well, eight, eight siblings. Yep. Eight, eight siblings. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, speaking of family, I want to go, I want to jump to that because for me, I have two older brothers mm-hmm. and my middle brother, you know, we live together. So I used to, you said this before in the locker room, he was like, man, you, you need some damn kids and you play too much. <laughs> when I, when I was young, that's all I used to do, bro, is just terrorize my brother to the uh-huh. point where I didn't think he, he really, you know, messed with me all that much. But, uh, so my question to you is what was it like growing up with that many siblings? Cause for me, that would have been the, that would have been heaven for me to have yeah. another, you know, partner to, to to play pranks and do all that. And more importantly, who the hell was the was the was the judge and the ruler of all these kids, man? Because that had to man. been a, a situation. Yeah, it man, it was it was fun. So <laughs> it's my older brother, uh, my older brother. So are you the old? So you're not the oldest. No, I'm not the oldest. And, and, and oh, I didn't know people, that. A lot of people think I'm the oldest, but my I got an older brother that's five and a half years older than me. Um, okay. Okay. And then, um, you know, older uh, sister who didn't grow up, you know, we didn't grow up together. But and then after that, but then being that it was that big gap between me and uh, me and Mitchell, um, mm-hmm. he was gone when I was what, 12, really? He was kind of out of the house. So I was the older, the oldest sibling in the house, you know, right. at that point. So I took a lot of the, the, the older brother duties. But like mm-hmm. you said, it was, it was, man, it was always a, a, a great time in the house. And, and it was a lot of boys, too. You know, it's, <laughs> right. it's six boys, so we it was you know football Yo. games in the house, uh, wherever mm-hmm. we could find and make a hoop. It was basketball games uh, mm-hmm. outside. You know, going into different neighborhoods, different gyms, different parks. Right. Um, it, it was always you know it was always important that hey we got each other's back. 
wherever we go. If you saw one right. butler, you know, you saw three or four. So yeah, and y'all, and y'all a family that's that's highly athletic too. I yeah. mean, there's there's a ton of families out here that you know you have a bunch of siblings, but if I'm not mistaken, you you have brothers to play D1 football. Yep. Your sister is extremely athletic. Like that yep. is rare, bro. And <laughs> yeah. and and when I when I did some little research on you, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I realized um, your father, your father actually was in the military for what yeah. eleven years, and yep. so. Were you guys bounced around a lot as as children, or because I think well, I read some places that you were born in in Frankfurt, Germany? Yeah, I was right? born in I was born in Germany. Okay, I see you did re- see you did your research. You know, okay, I, I got to you know, take care of my guy, man. Yeah, I mean, you know? pro, but yeah, I was born, uh, Army brat. You know, my dad was in the army. Uh, he grew mm-hmm. up. Him and my mom grew up down here in Miami, Florida. Um, when I was okay. born, he was he was he was stationed in Germany, and uh, I moved around a lot um, as a kid. Me and my older brother. Went from Germany and we moved to San Diego. He was based there. And then when he moved back to Florida, he got out of the military um, in 91. And that was when I was five going on six. And then we were in South Florida, but we moved around a lot, you know, within South Mm -hmm. Florida. So Fort Lauderdale, Miami, Miramar, just different places. So I went to like, I think I went to like four or five different elementary schools. Yeah. um, Two different middle schools and then only one high school. So by the time we got to that point, you know, so my younger siblings didn't really move around that much. But um, my older brother, myself, my younger brother, Rel, and then my younger brother, my younger sister, Brianna, we moved around a lot. But the rest of them pretty much, um, you know, home base down in in Florida. But even that even that part was fun. So we always had each other. Right, which right. is is huge. So I know it's tough on kids, yeah. especially when you bounce around from place to place. You're the new kid in right. school, the new kid. Right. But what always helped me was was always athletic and good in sports. So I always got along, obviously, with all the dudes, and then you know the, right, right. the athletes. So that was always easy. Right, you got right. your brothers and sisters, and uh, so it was always easy to make those transitions. Uh, easier, I guess, to make those transitions, and, and you know, most importantly, we always made it fun. Man. It didn't matter if. You know, we didn't have cable. We didn't have this or that. Like, right, we were right. going to have fun and, and, and make the best of it. I them. get you know, it, man. I, like I said, that, that's an ideal situation for me, man, because, yeah, no, nah, listen, I said that that's an ideal situation for me to have that many siblings to run around and, and, and uh, oh, yeah. get into whatever you want to get into. But so so you get to you get to Florida and you go to, was it Coral Springs Charter High School? Uh-huh. Is that is that right? Yeah. So. Yep. Because because I've seen you hoop and and I've done my little research. Um, please tell me when, when did you start playing football? Because I I feel like there was a moment where I think basketball was your first love, and then you kind of just yeah. by happenstance kind of fell into playing football. Your what junior year of high school? Yeah. So my older brother he he was always a big big football guy. He played in high school as well. Um, he went on to the military. Uh, you know, after school, after high school, my pops, he was athletic, but he was really never he never really had the opportunity to even kind of follow any athletic dreams um, because right. he was working, you know, from age right. 15, 16. He, he was working and helping, you know, helping his mom and his family uh, make ends meet. So he kind of just voided that. And um, so, yeah, I, I always played football in the street, always loved football. Uh, I played yeah. a little bit, a little league, a couple years, little league. And then uh, once I went to Coral Springs Charter High School, which was at the time either the first or second charter school down, I didn't even know what a charter school was at that point. Um, right, I got right. there. The way I got there is a whole nother story. I got pulled out of my mm-hmm. middle school because I was getting in trouble. So I was actually homeschooled my last half of eighth grade and first uh, half okay. of ninth grade. And gotcha. the same for my younger brother, who was in sixth grade at the time. So we got both pulled out of middle school because our mom was getting in trouble. My mom right, and my right. dad were educators in the Broward County school system. So they like, hey, you're mm-hmm. not about to embarrass having me. That. Yeah, we're not about to embarrass me. That's not right. what we're doing. Pulled us out mm-hmm. of school, and I was begging, <laughs> begging to get back in school. I mean, I wanted some yeah. homework. I wanted some, yeah. I, I, like, because this was before cell phones, social media. Right, like right. So all the interaction was face-to-face. You yeah, it in. was, yeah. man, that, it was, that was, that was tough. It was, so it was just me and my brother for about a good year, actually, where we just was completely out of school. But I went back yeah. to Coast Spring Charter, and it was a like such a new program. You know, it's tough to build a football program. Um, right. So even so, I, I started playing basketball from my freshman year, 
And mm-hmm. then my, finally my junior year, I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to go out for the football team. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I had a coach, uh, Otis Mounds, who, 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 who coached me. Mike Higgins and Otis Mounds, but Otis Mounds put me to the side one time. He was like, hey, man, you you know, you 5'9", you 5'10". Yeah. Like, I know you love the hoop. I know you love basketball, <laughs> but it ain't too many 5'9", five, 5'10s five, in the NBA. <laughs> well, that's the same that. thing happened to me, boy. Yeah. Oh, my God. When, when you had that, that conversation with a coach, like, listen, man, because my first love was basketball. Mm-hmm. You couldn't tell me that I wasn't going to the league. I wanted to go to the league and be in the NBA, bro. Because yeah, I, I want to be AI. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. I had, I mean, I got a cousin that played overseas for, you know, 10 plus years, six, mm-hmm. nine, his mother, six, two. I got aunts over six foot. You see me, bro. I've been the same size since I was like in eighth grade. I just stopped growing. I thought for sure I was going to hit at <laughs> least six. If I hit that growth spurt. Yeah. Yeah. And I love football or lo- love basketball, but I had that, uh, I had that conversation as well with a high school coach. It's like, listen, you got to draw a line of saying, young man, it's like, what you want to do? You know, yeah. you're really good at football, but this basketball, you're playing one through five and you're six foot. That ain't going to cut it. Yeah. <laughs> Not at this high school. So that's how it happened for me, man. So that's so, how it happened yeah. for a lot of us. That's how it happened yeah. for a lot yeah. of us. And, 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 yeah. And a lot of those skills are transferable for, to your position. Definitely. Uh, especially so, when you, so you start playing football in, in, in high school. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you, you, made, you, you were able to have enough of an impact on the field. To, to earn you scholarships. Now, were you one of those guys that were highly touted? You know, back in the day, I remember in Florida, I was in Florida as well. Like Tom Lemon was everything. It was like whether mm-hmm. he was one star, two star, three star, five star. Like, did yeah, you I, have? I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even really that cognizant, that really aware of like that. We, I would pay attention to rivals a little bit. That was rivals was rivals yes. kind of taking off, and I, I had mm-hmm. I was like a one and a half, maybe a two star, but yeah. I didn't go to a bunch of camps, uh, mm-hmm. like football camps. I didn't go to a lot of those things that a lot of football players are doing during like my basketball right. season. You know right. what I mean? That was a thing to do back then. Yeah, that, that was that was my thing. But like, yes, that's how people got ranked and, and all these different mm-hmm. things. But I wasn't doing any of that. So, and then once again, this was still before like you know social media. And things like that, and it's easier to get lost in the sauce, you know, when you're down here in South Florida, because right. you know, we, we we pumping out Division One athletes left and right. So right. Um, my right. coach Otis Mounds, he actually grew up with the running backs coach that was at UConn, and that was from football uh, as well. They kind of grew up together, and he kind of was like, "Hey, I got, I got a guy here, got who, it. who the real deal? Nobody know about him because we at Coral Springs. Wow. I mean, when I tell you, like, we didn't have our own stadium." Um, wow. We barely had any, like we barely had the resources to to be able to compete. So if I can interrupt you for one second, yeah. Like I assume, listen, I grew up four hours north of Miami, so I yep. assume every high school in Miami, Fort Lauderdale area, is a powerhouse. And I live, wow, yeah. So in my mind, I'm thinking like you went to a powerhouse school, and you know because you're from Florida, that. Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. You just I, was the, I was the first Division One athlete from my school. Any school. Oh, wow. Okay. The first okay. Division One athlete. So when I when I'm talking about when I was in high school and I used to tell other people, like I go to the neighborhood gym or go somewhere else. But damn, where yeah. you play at? I'm like, oh, I play charter. <laughs> like charter. Like what? What is that? Because my school was actually <laughs> right. converted into a high school from a a, a mall that oh, nobody even really went to. Yeah. So like what? The, the location of my high school, I I had never been anywhere kind of even near that vicinity. Like that was probably fifteen wow. to like seventeen minutes away from where I actually lived. So um, it it was it was crazy, and not only from the athletic standpoint, but even the, the academic standpoint. Like it was uh because it's di- we didn't have the same um, rules or laws as public schools or private schools. So right. a lot of the teachers didn't really, you know, and so it was, it was, it was, it was very, very uh, different. And I had some, you know, opportunity to go and play at, especially after my junior year. That's when right. all the other big schools was kind of like, you know how it is behind the scenes. Right, right, a lot of recruiting right, right. Going on. So I literally had high school coaches in my living room. Hey, we need to come here. We need to do this. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, 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 it was crazy, but, um, but uh, it, I, cool. I'm, I'm glad I went through it that way. And then it kind of, Going to UConn and UConn kind of been a basketball school and not been a football school. I kind of dealt with a, a lot of the same things on the college level that I dealt with in high school. Right. So it definitely right. prepared me. 
Yeah, that that explains why your what number two jersey was uh, retired. Then yep. is that the is that the only number retired right now from football? Oh, it might be. It might be. I got. You need to find that out. You need to find that out. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. So so you get to you get to UConn. You you figure out that's where you want to go because uh, if my memory serves me correctly, you there was either uh, Florida Atlantic, Indiana. Yeah. And, yeah. and UConn. So you get to UConn, and it's rare that you meet guys in the league that, you know, normally you meet guys that are two-year starters, three-year starters. You were actually a four-year starter. Yeah. Like, how in the hell did you w- were able to get on the field that early, bro? Because that that is that is unheard of. You don't hear about guys. Yeah. I know you redshirted your first year, but yeah. four-year starter? That was like, – well, yeah, so I, I read – so going – like, okay, once again, so you got to – you know the mindset because you're from Florida too. Mm-hmm. As Florida high school football players, it's probably similar to like New York City basketball players or like no that PG no County doubt. basketball player. Like when you go no somewhere doubt. else, you feel like you're the best because I feel no like doubt. I've seen the best, whether not against high school, in the streets, wherever I go. No doubt about these it. Cats. And down here in Florida, like we kind of wired in, this, in a way where it's like we want to line up across from that other dog whoever the no dog is that y'all say whether basketball football whatever <laughs> no i want to see i want to see him i want to see about you i want to see what mm-hmm. they're talking about mm-hmm. so when you go when i went up to yukon i'm like yo i'm in yukon like right i'm about right. to start right. That's the same two friends be like come on i'm not even supposed to be here for real for real i'm supposed to be at right. you right now <laughs> but uh getting up there and, and, and kind of getting smacked in the face with that a um you know after training camp competing i feel like i'm doing a good job Right. I'm a buck, you know, 64, soaking wet at the time. And right, the coach right. Ezra sit me down. Not a basketball actually, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> coach Ezra sit me down and, and he's like, hey, you know, we want you to get bigger, faster, stronger for a year. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to redshirt you. And at the time, I didn't really know what a redshirt was. And it was frustrating. I was disappointed. I, okay, you're going to tell me I'm doing everything except practicing. Like, I'm even going to dress up on game day and just stand on the damn sideline. Right, so that was frustrating. Right. But kind of halfway through that year, and Dan Orlowski was our quarterback at the time. Mm. He was mm. there. We had a lot of other good players on that side. So I'm like, all right, you know what? These practices are going to be my games. Like, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, and even still, I didn't, you know, week six, I'm thinking, you know what? Shit, I'm going to show them that I should be playing. Um, right, but it was frustrating, right. but it ended up, it, once again, been, been something that panned out for me. And then after my junior year, so I got on the field as a red shirt freshman, never really looked back. But after my red shirt junior year, you know, I'm sitting in the paperwork to the NFL. To um, you know, kind of see what they yeah. thought of me as far as my draft position. They gave me like a right. it's like a three, four grade, round three or four, uh, or three to five, something like that. But my eight, people I was talking to were like, "Hey, you know, they usually give you a round, round or two later right, to try right. to keep you in school." Right, um, right. And it was a it was a corner heavy draft there. DRC Casein, um, oh, yeah, wow. like five or six corners that went first. Round because you were the forty first pick of the second round, right? I was the first, yeah. I was a high second round pick. So even in my draft, mm-hmm. I still went second round. But I came back to school to be a first round pick, basically. And I and right. I had already kind of worked out with my coach. Like if I come back my senior year, you're gonna let right. me play offense. You're gonna let me do all these things that I've been asked you to do. So I actually went, got a chance to go both ways my senior, senior year. So, so I was gonna ask you about that because I noticed you you played a little receiver, and yeah. I didn't know you played a little bit of returner. I was yeah. like, I could see the skills when we started playing together. It was late in your career. I could see the, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I could see how you were able to, to be a return and do multiple things. But, um, yeah, that's interesting, man. That's Because Edsel was actually the head coach at University of Maryland up the street. From yeah, me. He le- yeah, he, he left us. He left us in the in, – in the, I ain't like how he left us. You know, I'm still <laughs> cool with Randy, but he definitely left us right. after we lost the Fiesta Bowl. To Oklahoma, he he left those guys and went up to Maryland, which wasn't a damn upgrade. It, it was a cup yeah. of tea. Hey, don't do that. Hey, don't no, do that. I, you know, hey, I don't feel like, that. I hey, feel hey, like that hey, was listen, a lateral move. Hey, no, nah, bro. No, nah, with the players in this area, I felt the same way as you did when, when you went to UConn. Man, the DMV not only has basketball. So when I – obviously, my freshman year, I come up, I got that – I have that Florida attitude. Like, man, who are these? Yep. Um, like, I was supposed to be at Florida State. You're lucky they didn't offer me. I could have went to Florida, but I was like, I wasn't messing with Florida. So I'm like, so I get out here and I realize, you know, you come there with a certain swag, you know, you you might as well wear a jersey with a bullseye on it. Oh, oh my yeah. Lord. The first week, the first week of camp, boy, I remember calling my uncle. I was like, man, I don't know if this going to work out. Like, these boys can play. I can't get off a block. But, you know, you end up figuring it out or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, so 
what I when I want to what I want to go to. Was there anyone else from? Because I remember at one point, once you guys ranked at UConn, and oh, yeah. if I if my memory serves me correctly, there was a lot of guys from down south that was on that team, right? Oh yeah. Wait, so the guy Terry Richardson, he he did a, a a phenomenal job of, and you know, being being involved with a uh, Division One college program like recruiting, that's the that's the the lifeline of your program. Mm-hmm. Um, so with UConn, did what a lot of people did in the Big East at that time: Rutgers, Pittsburgh, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they had their state, their pipeline states, and Florida was a right. pipeline state uh, for uh, Syracuse, for all those Big East, uh, all those schools along the um, the East Coast. So mm-hmm. um, they did a great job. We had a lot of guys there from Florida, Georgia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. And, um, you know, that was the first time I even had any type of respect for football from any other state. No okay, doubt. Y'all can, no okay, doubt. from Jersey. Okay, y'all can play some ball. So, okay, so, PA. Okay, y'all can do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's funny you say that. So when I first got to school here in Maryland, you know, you, you know everything is kind of clickish or whatever. So all the guys from North Carolina, Florida, Georgia, all the Southern guys, like, hung out with each other. That's you know what same, I'm saying? Yeah. And, and that's how it kind of morphed into what you just said. It was like, man, these dudes can actually play. You know what I'm saying? If we had a quarterback, yada, 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 we would have been – we would have made more uh, – we would have been ranked a lot more. But So let's fast forward. So you have a great career at UConn. You get drafted 41st overall to the New England Patriots. At this time, they're a weld oil machine. Yep. Tom Brady is rolling. Uh, the Bill Belichick way, the Patriot way is in full effect at the early stages. Walk me through what was that experience like, you know, a, a kid from Florida, a kid that was an Army brat, you know, you, you go to a charter school that, as you mentioned, yep. you didn't have a stadium, you dealt with the things you had to deal with, you go to UConn, you go through the whole transition of these guys can't play, they can't play, and you create a bond there, and now you're in the mm-hmm. media. Yeah. A, and I've heard rumors about it, just the, the, the level of the Patriot way. And I had a, I'll tell you a quick story. So I kind of know a little bit about it because when I was in Cleveland, a guy by the name of Eric Mangini. I was about to say, I already knew. I already knew what you were about to say. Yeah, he's a disciple of the Belichick tree. And I remember him being a coach. And I was like, bro, this isn't football. This this ain't football, bro. Because he had, I remember on the scoreboard, on the practice field, there was a quote. When you walk in the building, there was a quote. There was quotes all around the building. Across the wall, yep. And when we would get to a team meeting, there's Butler, stand up. You have to stand up. The first week of training camp, name every linebacker that's, you know, name every linebacker or name, oh, yeah. uh, you know, all the DBs stand up. It, it became like, bro, everybody was dreading. Belichick you know, asked work, me, bro. he asked me one of my team, one of the old linemen, <laughs> like either their name, and after he asked me their name, like, you know, what college did he go to? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, but I, but go ahead, bro. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. to cut you off. No, no, no. You good? Because that was the same. I remember yeah. walking in the in the building like, man, this this. First of all, we weren't winning games. Yeah, and you gonna care, and it, and it spilled over to the regular season, and it was to the point where it was like, damn, man, I'm I'm more so worried about what quote is on the 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 scoreboard on the practice field than than the Pittsburgh Steelers who coming in yeah. in our house this week. So were you, were you there before Mangini? Yeah, I was there before Mangini. Okay. It, it was that, funny. That, that, to, that's I, part of it too. Yeah. So I was. So he looked at everyone was part of the problem and not the solution. So I was. You know, I was in that that that, that uh, community of players that he thought either needed to be out or need to see that we can prove to stay around. But yeah. it's funny. A few years ago at a Super Bowl, uh, I ran into him, Eric Mangini. Ran into him. I still got his number to this day. And we were at a Super Bowl party. He had a drink. I had a drink. And uh, before he said a word, I was like, man, I got to tell you something. He was like, DeQuell, I already know. You know, he's like, so many players have come. I was like, no, no, I need to say my piece. Yeah. I was like, what in the hell were you thinking? You know, he was like, and he explained to me, he was like, listen, I was trying to create a culture. You know, he's got Bill Belichick, Bill Parcells, that old school mentality with a new way of thinking. So he, 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 at the end of the conversation, he, we basically left it as there was a lot of things he would have done differently, but I had to say my piece because man, damn, I mean it was it was it was rough, man. It was rough playing for yeah. So, what what was your experience like going to that that system? You know, um, so I, I rewind a little bit. So back in the page, so like you said, um, at UConn, you know, when I got to UConn, literally the men's and the women had 
were fresh off a of national championships on the basketball mm. team. And you know, as, as we know, UConn, you know, that was the only thing I knew of UConn even growing up was Ray Allen and like Rip Hamilton, you know, Khalid. Right. Like, I didn't really know UConn as football at all. So it was a whole transition. So like my high school obviously was a huge transition period for the school. And mm-hmm. then when I get to UConn, same thing for the football program. We're going to Division One Big East. And so I was obviously a part of that turnaround. You know, my 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 recruiting class and the classes came that came after us, a couple before us as well. Dan Orlowski and those guys, they started the ball, we kept it rolling, we took it to another level. So we got us to a point where we were playing multiple games on national TV. We got ranked, I think, all the way up to 13. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like yeah. this is for the first time we went to our first bowl game in history. So all these different things. I was a captain, a two-time captain at UConn. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of responsibility. Like and Randy Esso, he ran a, a strict program. You know, I'm sure you probably heard it from a lot mm-hmm. of guys that went to Maryland. Yep. That's his thing. He runs a tight ship. He's like a Tom Coughlin type of guy. He right. worked with him in Jacksonville before UConn. So going to uh New England, it wasn't a huge transition from that standpoint. Um, you know, you 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 see the pros and you see all you hear different stories. And my cousin Willis uh, McGay, he was in the league at time. But mm-hmm. going to New England, it's a different world. And if, with, if, if that's your first yeah. experience as a pro, you may feel like I kind of feel like, OK, this is just what the NFL is. And like right, you said, right. walking in, hey, you know, what? what's the four things on the outside of the door? When you walk in. What's the four things on the inside of the door before you walk out and leave? What's right. on the wall before you come in? Who Knowing your teammates. Man, I- Knowing uh, the exact distance between the half <laughs> top of yeah. numbers, know like all of these different yeah, yeah. type of things. I mean, we before we played the Packers one time, Belichick put on the, some game film <laughs> from legit like the 1960s <laughs> to talk about how like they innovated the forward pass nah. game and all. The time. I'm talking about just some crazy. They stuff. were they were students of the game, man. Yeah. And, and what I what I forgot to mention about that conversation I had with Mangini was. When he left, I had never – that was the first time I was able to compartmentalize the game, why yeah. calls were being called when they were being called. You know, the fringe area, the middle of the field, exactly. back up. He would regurgitate this information, got to have it plays. And I learned so much from him that I yeah. it stuck with me to when we played together. Your, and your whole had, career. And when I realized when I met you for the first time and we were in that locker room in India, I realized we spoke the same language. And that I yep. didn't it didn't occur to me what your background was because I was, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Eric Mangini tree and the way we approached the game, the way we prepared for the game, and the way we yep. wanted to understand the calls. I think that's what led to a lot of our success, definitely in the back yeah. end. Because you oh, had, it was yeah. you, Pops. I mean, we had some veteran guys who understood the game. And uh, I think a lot of time it gets overlooked, man. A lot of GMs just think yeah. because you're older, there's no value. But listen, that, 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 that that's huge, man. You saw A. Rod talk about it. I don't know if you caught his press conference yesterday, but mm-hmm. he talked about that in his press conference. You know, talked about certain guys who meant certain things to the locker room, whether it be you know Casey Hayward, James Jones, C. Wood, Pep, Jordy mm-hmm. Nelson. He named all James Jones. He named all these guys because you know they mean something to the locker room that the outside people can't see. And when you first right. got there. Um, I can vividly remember one, one time I feel like you were upset about not either not getting or not. It was something you like oh. you were checking to. Oh, like, I remember if that. I, if, hey. I check, if I check it, this year, y'all just play that shit. Yo, I, yo, we yo, yo so that, was my first, that was my first year I was there, bro. I think yeah. it was like a two-minute drill. It was in the uh, bubble. Yeah. I remember that shit. Oh, yeah, I remember that like it was yesterday, bro. Like, it was my first introduction. I wanted to get everything right. And you know yeah. how it is, man. You got to see it. I like that shit. Even though I was, you know, I had been there for a few years and I kind of knew it. <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I like like this. This going to be our, because you come in, you're the leader of defense. So, like, we got to be able to, we got to, number one, know that you prepare and that you, you know, right. give a and give, give a, up about give it. Shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And that everybody else around you is on point. So I'm like, these are the type of people I want to be on the field with, you know. And, and like you said, Pops was there and other people were there that were EWAL. Everybody wanted to know, like, okay, right. what exactly are we doing? So that way when you're getting that real fire, it's, <laughs> right. it's less, you know, it's less of that going on because we not already, you know, did that. And sometimes you got to have them tough conversations where it's like, hey, right. when I call some shit, y'all, hey, we do We can talk yeah, about that shit later. Hey, so I'm but like, okay, quite I'm a skill. I had to swallow my pride because I went to you. We had a conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, nah, DQ, we need to check the blah, blah, blah. And I had to – I think I went to guys individually. Throughout. 
before yep. we went to the next pier, I'm like, man, that's my mistake. You know, I'm yep. going to get it right. I'm going to get it right, but hold me to it. You yep. know what I'm saying? But in the future, I wanted to gain enough trust with you guys to know I'm going to get it right so many times. So if I do screw something up and if it's wrong, it's, what's the saying in the NFL? We all wrong. We, yeah, all, we right. all wrong. We all right. Yeah. And, that, so and that's for damn sure. Yeah. For sure. That was the, my first introduction. I was like, okay. Because I came in like, I'm going to be myself. This is what yep. I was used to. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to work. I'm going to try to work. outwork everyone. Know the system through and through. And I, that's funny you bring that up, bro, because that, that's one of the one moments that I remember that 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 was special to me because I, I was absolutely wrong. And everybody on the defense knew I was wrong. Yeah. But, you know, it was like you had a man that's how you, I mean, that's the only way you work through that shit. You know, you got to have right. a conversation. Sometimes they're uncomfortable. Sometimes they're tough. But you have them and you obviously continue to respect each other and, and continue to work and move forward. And with uh to get back kind of to your question so new england was coming off this was after brady's injury and he was coming back this is a comeback year right this is the comeback year you know he had the long hair um <laughs> but it was also kind of a transition period for the patriots so the patriots for throughout their runs they've always had kind of like those pillar type guys in in the locker rooms whether it's been a ty law seymour vince wilford brady you know, uh, whoever it may be in that locker room, who once again, Kevin Falk, guys outside the locker room may not know that these are the, like, kind of like the glue guys. So right. we were kind of in that tra that transition period where we had um, Lee Bond that came over as a free agent. Lee Bond, I know Lee Bond. Uh, yeah. Who you know is is an individual, <laughs> independent thinker. <laughs> right. uh, Sean Springs, who at that point was right. a 13, 14 year vet. So who, who's been doing it? kind of his way or a certain way for a long time. Right. Um, Adelius Thomas, who came over from Baltimore. Man, uh, man. Derek Burgess, Jer uh, Jer Warren, G wanted big money. So we yeah. had so many different guys from different teams and different personalities Ooh, that right. it wasn't truly like it was the Patriot way from the coaching standpoint. But as far as the players and how the locker room and the makeup of the locker room was, it wasn't necessary. Everybody wasn't on that same page. So now if you look right. at it now, and over the last decades, the Patrick Chung's, the the Devin McCourty's, the Matt Slater's, Steven Skosowski, you know, all those type of guys, Julian Edelman, who kind of held that, like we, we were kind of in that transition period. And we kind of honestly, to, to keep it real, it was kind of a group of us that wasn't really on that page. And I kind of got right. drawn into that because I'm like, shit, I'm going to listen to what Lee talking about. I'm going to listen to what right. Spurs talking about. They right. tell me we had a first year DB coach, Josh Boyer, who uh, you know, you look at his resume and it's like, you know, okay, this dude, 30 something years. I think Springs was older than him at the time. And he, had, mm. he was coming from like King's College or, you know, how the coaches Belichick mm -hmm. again. So, right. like, them, right. they didn't really respect him like that. So, sure, he yeah. would correct me. And then I had Springs and Lee telling me, like, hey, bro, like, you nice, man. Like, you need to, like, right. that's some old school right. shit. Like, <laughs> right. So, I was kind of caught in between right. that, got in that Belichick doghouse. And shit kind of <laughs> went downhill from there. But mm -hmm. when I moved on and went to, um, you know, Carolina and end up in Indy, like the things that I learned that I, and I go back kind of and, and think about, it, like I learned so much from them as far no as doubt. preparation wise, as far no as doubt. understanding how offenses and quarterbacks work, offensive coordinators and why we did certain things like that's so no important. I don't, and it's so such little time we have in those facilities that right. a lot of times coaches get to the what, but they don't really get to the why. No I doubt, think what they do in New England, they do, and obviously having Brady buy in and be that kind of Tim Duncan type personality in the locker room does huge wonders because you don't see it really work. You didn't see it work with Patricia mm -hmm. in Detroit. You didn't see it work with Josh in Denver, Mangini in Cleveland, right? Uh, Charlie Weiss in the play, like it's just Romeo right. Cornell. It just doesn't work unless you had the guys in place buying in. But um, if you buy in and you obviously got an all time great at the, the right position. You can win right. a lot of chips, but the way they did things, um, it, if you've been in one of those type places and you go to other places, you understand, you know, why they win um, consistently. But uh, it was uh, it was tough for me because I was kind of caught in. Okay, I'm always right. listening to the vets, no doubt, for these no coaches. Doubt. So uh, I, I was no uh, kind of caught in that position, but learned a lot from it. And I look back, you know, and you know, look back at my whole nine year career. So, so I want to switch gears for a second. And I know, you know, we talked about COVID early on. And, and for me, I can't wait to take my, my next trip. And through COVID, yeah. I was able to go, you know, take some vacations last year where I could, I could sharpen my tools on the snowboard. 
Now I heard through a through, through the grapevine through a friend of mine that you actually tried to <laughs> you actually tried to you know I don't know whether it was a snowboard skis or what have you but um, yeah I heard you you experienced skiing for the first time please do yeah. tell what, what what was that like bro because I mean, you know honestly, you're retired now you're retired yeah now. obviously it's something you can't do while you're playing it's something I would never done I, I, players do it while they're playing but it's something no I personally wouldn't have done or tried to pick up. <laughs> Maybe if I grew up doing it, I would have did them off season. But I ain't gonna lie, man, it was fun. It it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Um, it it was definitely a great experience. And honestly, you know, I picked it up pretty good. You know, being yeah. competitive after I think I had talked. You, to you, you know what? That, yeah, yeah. That that ain't what I heard though. When I when I got confirmation, hey, hey, let me let me why, tell why, you how it went. Why, why, okay, okay. I'm so gonna hear your side of story. And um. What is it like? You go on like the greens and the double greens. You hit the bunny yeah. hill first to training. So right. I had, had a real right. training session. Shout okay. out to uh, shout out to Meg, Avante's <laughs> uh, wife, who set up the training session for me. Had a real <laughs> training session, um, and went out there and hit the slopes. And I was doing my thing on the greens, double greens. Right. Oh, right. Was it a blue? And did I think Meg took me on the blue. Wait, this your first time skiing. First, first weekend skiing. I'm like, all right, I'm ready for blue. Let me, let, let me, let me, let me tell you this: the first time skiing, you need to know who your competition is. Vontae and Wait, Meg. competition. See, that's no. the thing. Vontae and Meg, they are so like. They feel it. So bro. encouraging and so like. Yes. Oh yeah, hit, yes. yeah. Come up here with us. Hit the blue. Hit the double. No. Blue. So you can't I'm like, do that. I bet. No. Man. Mm-mm, mm-mm. It was it was it was rough, and I Let had on you. the you know the, the, the resorts skis, so it wasn't my personal skis, right, either, so they would right. pop off. But it was it was still fun, and I liked my progress. And I told them, hey, next time we go, I'm hitting the blacks. They they they, they like. Hey, Wait, hold on, you you you, you ambitious? See, th- this is what I gotta go. If I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go. I'm a zero hundred. No, I feel you on that. I feel I feel you on that. So the first time I went with Tay, first time Tay ever put on a pair of skis. We were there probably maybe. Oh, you were with him his first time. His first time. Okay. First, we were there four or five days. Tay, you know, you you go the bunny slope. You you know, go green. You go blue. By the end of the week, this man was on blacks, bro. This man is. If fearless, I was there the week, I might. This like, man, see, I'm not. I'm too cautious because it took me four years to finally be able to snowboard on a black. Like, I don't need that speed, bro. Did you try the skis at all? I never put my – that feel too awkward. I like to wow. be – when I was young, bro, I was in everything. How does that feel? I got a skateboard. Yeah, I was about to say, how does that feel more so awkward? Because I, I feel awkward on the on the um, snowboard. Like, I'm nah, scratching. Nah, man, I, I like want to be – I got a snowboard. I got all the gear. I got my snowboard gear. I got a helmet. I got all my equipment. And I used to, back in the day when I was young, man, I used to get picked on and bullied for it. But I used to skateboard. I used to try to skateboard. Okay. But so I was always used to having my feet together. I got to have all this stuff and, you know, holding a ski pole and individual skis. Now, I'm going to try it one day. And all that. Yeah. But, like, if you fall, you're going to lose something. Like, I've, I've I was, been on those I, blacks, I, bro. I, and, I was flying. Nah, see, that, yeah. that ain't my game, bro. That ain't yeah. my game. But, like uh, it, man. So so let me let me let me bring some up. It's a little bit more serious, but you know, obviously the Olympics is going on right now. Yeah, everybody's tuning in to it. Um, hell, I caught myself watching water polo the other day, and I I, I would never watch water polo. I, 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 like, I, I caught some of that too right after the volleyball. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you're a competitor, this, this, what chance do you you get to watch all these individual sports and see the best doing it? So all obviously. Right, from all over the world. So, obviously, the Simone Biles situation comes up. Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, for those who haven't paid attention to it, that's been on the rock, well, she um, <laughs> she decided to not continue her, you know, her floor routine or whatever. She withdrew from competition. Yep. And her reason was for mental health reasons. My question to you is, um, do you feel there's a sense of, because I grew up in two different NFLs. The early NFL was you don't ask, you don't tell. We give you whatever you want to play these games. And now it's, it's slowly transitioning to actually taking care of guys. Like, what, yeah. what's your stance on the whole mental health aspect of players? Because in my honest opinion, before you answer, I think a lot of it 
if we look at guys who have gotten in any trouble or been in any tight situation or, or going off the rails, so to speak, we immediately – the NFL has gotten a bad – a black eye for Oh, yeah. Oh, we automatically yeah, – oh, he's troubled, that, yeah. he's this, he's that. But now I feel like there's a, there's a, there's a shift of having the sympathy for the athlete and what's going on up top. What I'm curious it, it, to know what's your opinion. Yeah, it's definitely a shift. You're always going to have people on, on, on multiple sides of it. And it, it's a very, I feel like, nuanced conversation. And um, mm-hmm. it's because it's one of those things that's so individual. Like, we can go right. through, we can have the same trauma, the same whatever, but me and you right. can react to that completely different. Um, so I think the conversation around mental health as a whole is is, is getting more respect, number one, because like you said, you, you came in, you kind of went through two different NFLs, and I feel like I did too. I feel like no some doubt. of the things where no I doubt. came in, like we now talk we about viewed right as barbaric. Like right. we talked about, right. I talked about an AV this morning on the pod. And I'm like, when I came in the league, like if you like reported yourself for a concussion or something, like that was soft. Right. Like, what you mean? Exactly. And, that, and that was like a physical injury. Like my, like my, right. I got a head injury, but like people were like, nah, like, nah, you, you get out there and play. You hold it down for yourself. You hold it down for your teammates. And right. now the, the, the conversation is changing. Obviously with Simone Biles, um, you know, I couldn't imagine being in her shoes. And, um, you know, dealing with the mm-hmm. things that she's had to deal with, not only as far as when it comes to her performing and being, you know, the greatest of all time in her sport. Right. People, but people also don't being, understand. Yeah, people don't, yeah. I don't mean to cut you off, but people don't understand how stressful even I can't even imagine what a gymnast has to go through because you train mm-hmm. for years and to do a floor, a floor routine, you have 90 seconds to be perfect Yeah, when you've trained for years and you have to be perfect or you get lost in the shuffle. I don't know. I don't want to know what that pressure is like because for me, I started playing the game of football when I was seven. Mm-hmm. And from the age I was seven to the age I was done playing at 33, you probably know this, before every game because my anxiety and stress levels were high, I wanted to do the best I could. I didn't want to let you down. I didn't want to let my teammates down. I threw up before every game. Yeah. And once I, I threw up, I knew, like, I knew I knew Art did. I thought Art was my only teammate I, that did that. No, nah, I used to hide in the back, bro. I used okay. to hide in the back and try not to make noise, man. But it was, it was that anxiety was real. So yeah. I think it it is it's, it's definitely a conversation that we need to have more of because For I sure, know listen it? and listen I'm I'm on both sides of the fence right some things you need to tough it out you know what I'm saying like come yeah. on man we're 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 entitled group of this entitled new wave of athletes like come on now but on the other hand I don't I'm not quick to judge that it's, you're yeah, soft exactly. that you're entitled it's that, like there's more to it than that that's the and, and I think you know. Unfortunately, like athletes are treated differently um, depending on, you know, if the media as a whole kind of likes the athlete or, you know, men and women are definitely treated differently when it comes to the mental health thing because, you know, Kyrie went through his thing with mental, some mental issues off the court and he was kind of smashed for it because of all of his other, oh, he's a flat earther or he disappeared Mm -hmm. on his team and didn't tell him this. Paul George went to his and Kevin. So like, you got Simone Biles, Naomi Osaka, and others, and, and Brandon Marshall, you know, who, who played in the same league as us at the same time. You know, he's been very outspoken on these issues because of his personal battle. So I think it's one of those things who that we'll continue to learn more about. And I think uh, – and it's just hard for people to just take it as like – because we know when a guy injures their ACL, okay, we know what that is. Shoulder, we right. know what that is. But when you talk no about doubt. things that are mental and that can't really be, um, I guess – Monetified and it's yeah, like right, it's hard right. to say like, hey, this is exactly what I understand it. So it's always gonna be people, and then it's gonna you got your old school mentality, like oh, right. God, I would never quit on my team in the middle of a mm-hmm. competition, like you know, this is that, this is the third. But she's right. the greatest of all time in her sport. She's right. dealing with what she's dealing with personally. And I think each one of these situations is, is an individual thing, and uh, as humans. You know, we just got to respect and, and understand that. But, you know, obviously people put athletes on a certain pedestal. And, um, you know, fair or unfair is part of what comes with it. Right. You're going to be judged. Right. People are going to have their opinions about it. But um, I think you should always choose, you know, your your your, your how you're doing, your mental, yeah, your your mental wellness, your physical wellness over, you know, all those other things. Right. So the last thing I'm going to leave with uh, the Simone Biles uh, conversation before we move on is, you got to respect 
the level of maturity and leadership she displayed, in my opinion, because again, I don't, I don't, I'm not a gymnast. I don't know other gymnasts, but I know they start when they're at the the age of toddlers, and yeah, she's probably yeah. been doing this all of her she, life. She OG in the game for sure. She's an OG in the game, one of the best to ever do it, and to remove she had the herself. Twisties too, reportedly. So, so okay, to that fact. So I went back and I started, you know, I went down this rabbit hole. I wanted to look at, uh, <laughs> wanted to, you know, find out, has she ever had these incidents before, like, occur, like her mental yeah. uh, health uh, issues? And it did. She was interviewed back in February when uh, she was asked a question about the 2020 Olympics being canceled. She was on mm-hmm. record saying that she went into depression, that she slept yeah. all the time, and that she's been publicly, you know, voice her concerns or her issues, her private issues to the masses to be able to to talk about in terms of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And this isn't something new. So the fact that she had the courage to, to take a step back when she's trained all her life for this and say, you know what, I'm not in a good space because this is a different ball game when you're flipping. You're flipping, flipping around. Twisting, if you're not in the right like head that. space, that could be dangerous. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I I, I want to give her all the credit because I, I think it's, it, it shows a level of leadership. And I'm not one of these people that's going to condemn her for doing that. Nah, absolutely not. Uh, and, and even if you even if you are of the mind like, hey, you know, that's not the right time or the place or whatever you may like. We, we've had this with so one of our boys, Tay, Vante, how Vante retired. Right, right. No they doubt. halftime. No like, no doubt. That was absolutely unheard of. And Right. When I called Vontae, because I once I heard the news, I called him immediately. Like, oh, I was automatic. My first thought was, damn, like, you know, I hope he's good mentally. Like, this is odd. This no is doubt. Like, no you doubt. Know, you know, you, no don't, doubt. you don't expect this. So I called Tay, and now we talked about mm-hmm. it. We talked about it on our part, and he, you know, he was kind of like, you know, I'm at peace with it. Like, this, I, I felt yeah. it at this moment, and right. as right. we know as competitors – like you can't go out there half stepping. You can't go no, out there. You cannot not all in or not. Feel. So wherever you are mentally, physically, or whatever, you got to make right. the best decision for you. And I know everybody's gonna have their own opinion of it, but mm-hmm. you got to do what was was what's the right um, you know thing for you. Vonte did it. Um, you know we had another teammate Andrew Luck who did it. Yeah, you know in the preseason right. right. game. So we have close you know firsthand experience of this. And I think 10, 20 years from now it'll kind of almost be the norm in a sense where it's like, Hey, right. you know, so-and-so is taking a break for their mental health or their mental yeah, well-being. No doubt. No Which doubt. It, 10 years ago, I would have oh been no. like, what? Oh no. What are you talking about? Oh, we yeah, would have like, trashed yeah, and threw them under the bus. For sure. Yeah, with, a, with a black ball. Exactly. No, that's real. That, that's right. real. Cause yeah. I, I, I spoke to Bonte that the day he retired, man. And I was with him. My first instinct was similar to yours. Like, what what what's going on? Like what what happened? What happened? I hope he's in a good mental space. And when we had our conversation, I'm gonna keep it private. But like, I was with him a thousand percent, bro. Because if you know yeah. Bunty, you know he wears emotion on his sleeve. He's an emotional yep. guy, man. And and he needed that support. And I was gonna be there to support him, no matter what. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Yeah, that no doubt, no doubt. So at this part, so anytime I have a guest on here, I always have like. Uh, you know, a pick six. I call it my pick Ooh, six. Okay. I ask random, pick six. random six I love, questions. I, I love a good pick six. Ain't nothing Cause, like cause that. I, that, that. That's what I'm saying. Because I know you're a businessman. You got other opportunities coming up. So I want to get you out of here with enough time to take care of your business. So with that being said, I'm going to start with question number one. It's, it's light. You know, some will, you know, you got to think a little bit, but it, it's light. You'll have fun Let's with it. You so know, You know, I'm, I'm ready. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah. So the first question of my pick six is, I got to ask all my former athletes, former professional athletes, what was the, your first big splurge when you signed your first NFL contract? First big splurge. While, um, you're thinking, while you're thinking about it, I'm going to tell you, I had a guest on, Vernon Davis, and I asked him the same question. That's, di- that's different. Hey, that's hey, the best hey, top. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, but hold on. Now. This, this, this is – hey, listen. <laughs> so he told me he put uh, – he bought an Escalade and he put Lamborghini doors on the Escalade. And I don't know. I know you listen to hip hop. And I know if you thought for a second where that come from. Remember 50 Cent 
was, was hot in the early two thousand. Let doors on my on SK SK. Yeah. yeah, bro. He really did that, bro. So I would go ahead. The floor is yours. The, uh, floor is yours. I mean, I guess I still so don't be embarrassed. Range, Range Rover. I, but mm-hmm. like you know, I copied okay. Range. But even at that time, I was a second round pick. You know, I made some good money. I did the same uh, thing. I was a second I round pick. But yep, Range Rover. I was in New England. And I figured, hey, I need a car, a nice car that right. I can drive year round. And, no doubt. And even coming no doubt. into the league, I never wanted to splurge on cars and shit. So even my first, the first car that I purchased myself, you know, that was a used, I saw I bought a used That's Range Rover. Only, only had about 20,000 miles on it. But, man, not even 20, it had about. That's that UConn uh, education, man. Yeah, it had about, it had, I want to say it had about 9,000 miles on it. And, um, yeah, that Range Rover, yeah. So I, that was no the doubt. first thing no I would doubt. say I splurged on was a Range, but I, I felt like I needed it. No doubt, same, same. All right, question number two of our pick six. Because you're you're huge, and we didn't get a chance to really dive into it, and I'm glad I asked. I put so it we'll on do, my We'll do my, no part two. Sheet. I'll be back. <laughs> no doubt. So I know you're a big basketball guy. We talked about it briefly, but question number two is, who's the best NFL hooper that you be either played with or against, not named Darius? You can't name yourself. That's tough. I don't oh, – man. I, I, heard on, I heard some other podcasts where – uh pops he was interviewing drc and he mentioned you he mentioned you as you know a hooper that gave him a run for his money so i was wondering if that was going to be handed back over to him i you know what i say now drc is a jungle probably the best athlete yes that i've seen period hooper i I wouldn't put him in that top you know uh, you know reeves Revis, very yeah, very good hooper. Tyrod really? Taylor, another okay. great hooper. Um, Bruce okay. Ellington, okay, another very very good basketball. Lev Bell, I'll, I'll probably go with Anquan Bolden. I played in his game every year, mm. so I'll go. I'll probably go with Josh McCown. He'll really? surprise he you on the court. He'll surprise yeah. you on the court. Yeah, I'm probably. I feel like I'm maybe forgetting somebody. Damn, but bro, I'm gonna probably. I'm, I'm gonna go boy, with. Uh, bro. Your I'm gonna go with uh I'm I'm gonna go with Bruce Ellington. Okay, I thought I, I thought I was gonna be in that mix, but it's all good. It's all good. All right, uh, question <laughs> question number three. Uh, this is this is one you gotta you know gotta think about it a little bit, but uh, I thought it was interesting. You're a smart dude. Question number three of the pick six: Is there a skill that you wish you had that you don't possess? It could be anything. Ooh, not shit. necessarily uh, not necessarily football. It could be. I give you my. If I was answering the question, I would say like a writer, because you can write rhymes, you can write for playing, you can write right, for movie. Right, you got to create it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of residual income. Yes, yeah, some, yes. some of the wealthiest people I know is from their writing. Yeah, <laughs> yes. and I've had time to exist. think. Right, I've had time to think about it, so I'm kind of cheating a little bit. I'm gonna so go I just with cooking, give you... though. I'm gonna go with cooking. Okay, okay. I wish that was okay. a skill that I had that I could just okay. you know, depend on myself to just cook for myself and cook the meals that I like to eat. So I'm gonna go with cooking. Boy, man, I'm with you on that. I didn't even think about yeah. that because the amount of money I spend on Postmates and Uber Eats. A week. Exactly, especially when you're trying to switch man. up your diet. And you're like, oh, I want to make more, right. of this, eat more of this. Yeah, I can't make none of that. So okay, I go with okay. Cooking. Bet that's a good one. Question number four. Because you're a professional athlete, you started playing in you, you started playing basketball at a very young age, and you end up becoming a professional athlete for nine years. You've been uber talented. But my question to you is: What's the one award you won that you didn't deserve? <laughs> <laughs> is there that one? I mean, <laughs> that I didn't deserve. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> yeah, it's a little head scratcher. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I've been kind of, I've always kind of been one of the Selling under me. under the radar. Okay, I've been okay. I've been kind of under the radar. I would say I would kind of be in an underappreciated type of group. Okay, so okay, so this one's fine. Yeah, I don't okay. think this one really, but okay. I did have okay. a, a Wendy's. I think I won a Wendy's academic academic Heisman or something like that coming out of oh, high yeah? school. I, I didn't deserve that. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> All right, Ben, you got one. So I, I, go I, got one. I go with that one. All right, Ben, I got I got one too, man. I was in Cleveland and uh, I don't know if they still do it, but the beat writers, they have an award called the, the Good Guy Award. Mm-hmm. And they gave it to me. And 
I was like, man, if they only knew me behind the scenes, how I used to, you know, get on guys for not knowing what they were doing. But that's one award. I'm like, I appreciate the role person. But you know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. I'll take it though. All right. So question number five. I'm curious about this one because the guests I've had on, we got one answer that's been like the common theme. Mm-hmm. So question number five, where I pick six. What's your favorite movie slash sitcom? Uh, Life, easily. Okay, Life, okay. Uh, Martin, and actually, one person is in both. So Life is my favorite movie. Martin, Eddie Lawrence, um, <laughs> and Eddie Murphy, they co-starred <laughs> yeah. that. That's one of my favorite movies. Um, you know, I got all the one-liners. <laughs> I know every line probably. Anchorman no is another favorite of mine. Super, super bad. No like, I got a lot of movies. Uh, no Shawshank doubt. Redemption, Harlem Nights. A lot of them in okay. my top five, but I would go life uh undoubtedly okay. my top five. And I mean number one, and then favorite sitcom would be Martin. So bruh, yeah. everybody I've had on for the most has said Martin. That's mine yeah. too. Favorite sitcom. That's undefeated. Too. Undefeated. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Undisputed. Uh so last last of the pick six. Um yeah, this is gonna this is gonna sum it's, it up. This, I know you're this busy, walking man. across the goal line with the ball. In yeah, it, it's like, a it, it, it's a layup kind of not, but okay. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Because you're, you're a thoughtful guy, so I'm curious. To, I, I make this question specifically for you. If you could change, if you could go back in the future, if you Ooh. could change one thing about your NFL career, what would it be? Oh, um, any decision, any anything. I would sleep. I would get more sleep. Mm. I would get more sleep. I found later in my career, yep. I started to realize the difference that me getting a full eight hours, seven to eight hours rest, the difference that it made, not only on my f- physical performance, but uh, as you know, a lot of the game is between the ears. So mentally, meetings, being prepared, all those type of things. So I would get more sleep. So when I talk to young guys a lot, no now, doubt. I always tell and it, and it, and when you're 23, 24, 25, you know, you can roll out of bed at three in the morning and do what you got to do. But as you start getting 28, 29, 30, 31, right, it, it becomes right. a different game. So, like, when you start getting that sleep, that changes everything where your mood, how much you can retain as far as information. Um, no doubt. Just so sleep, no I would say for sure. Um, you know, understanding and even researching how important, uh, you know, sleep is. Sometimes sleep deprivation can affect you more than yeah. even like being drunk or under an influence or something. Right. So uh, you right. got me drinking in the middle of the day. So um, <laughs> I tell you, hey, listen, 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 sure. bro. It, it, what, what, what's the famous line? There's a happy hour somewhere in the world. Somewhere. It's yeah, happy hour somewhere. somewhere. So, hey, bro, I want to, first of all, I appreciate you uh, doing this for me. I appreciate your time, your perspective appreciate as always, you, bro. Uh, there was a lot of other things I want to get into, but we had great conversation. I didn't want to mess up that flow. But hey, listen, D Butt, I know you got a lot of things going on, man. I'm proud of you for what that what's that worth. Uh, I'm watching you from afar. I'm trying to get in your shoes right now, man. Continue to, to have success. You and uh A B with, with the Man to Man podcast and also uh everything D B. Before I let you go, what you do with everything D B and I think it's about to crank we're about to crank back up too. With I love the fact that you able to bring the casual fan on a journey of a defensive back uh, in between the ears. You know, what goes on in coverages. I think that's brilliant. It's something that I want to incorporate at some point. Bro, I appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. Thank you for your time, your perspective as always. And cheers, bro. Much success. Appreciate you, man. Brown's legend. A a legend in life, man. Appreciate (laughs) you, DQ, man. And uh, you got it, bro. Athletes Unplugged, man. It's been an honor. Appreciate you. I appreciate it, bro. Man, what a great conversation I had with D-Butt, uh, Darius Butler. As I said before in the intro, you can find him weekly on the Man to Man podcast with his co-host, Antoine Bethea. He's another 14-year NFL veteran. Uh, they they cover topics from the NFL to NBA and everything in between. And so I think you definitely should tune into that, as well as Athletes Unplugged. Uh, we had a great organic conversation. I love what he's into. Unfortunately, I didn't get to uh, talk about a lot of the other different things I wanted to dive into off the field about his transition, how he handled the transition, and also some of the things he's been involved with off the field in terms of the um, uh, Black Professional Summit that he's been involved with and some of the the entrepreneurship things that he's invested and spent his time towards. Uh, I think D-Bud is one one of the smartest guys I've ever come in contact with. 
in the National Football League, whether it be player, coach, or just person in general. I think he 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 definitely has a great head on his shoulders. He has a uh, comes from a great family background. Um, he went to UConn, obviously. Obviously, you can play football to be on a full scholarship, but you have to be academically, you know, uh, ready for that moment as well. So uh, kudos to him. I appreciate his perspective. I appreciate his candor. Uh, I love to have him on as always, like he mentioned during the, uh, the, the podcast, we're going to have him back on for part two. We're going to dive into some other juicy stories and some of the most memorable moments that we've shared together as Indianapolis Colts when we beat the Denver Broncos to go to the AFC championship game. I didn't have a chance to, to, to dive into that, but we had some really great, important and, and necessary conversations. So again, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Aquil Jackson. Join us next week on Athletes Unplugged. Cheers.